Uh, I'm going to tell you a little story that my wife will roll her eyes at today because I tell this quite often and she's like, what good is that? And, um, but one day I was really hungry and it was lunchtime and um, I was in town, not Derby, this was, this was back in Leeds and uh, Lisa hates Nando's, she can't stand Nando's. You know, chicken and chips for 10 quid. She's like, who pays 10 quid for chicken and chips? But anyway, I fancied a Nando's. And uh, there was a big queue to get in the Nando's. So the lady, the waitress said to me, look, it's quite a queue. You've been waiting for a long time. But if you don't mind sitting with somebody, then, you know, I can get your table straight away. I said, I don't mind sitting with somebody. I chat to anybody, me. And uh, so... She's walking down through the tables and everything like that. And there's a guy sat at the table on his own. And I'm thinking, she's not going to sit me with him, surely. You know, because I knew who he was. I like cricket. I love cricket. And the guy who was um, sat at the table was a famous cricketer. I'm a spin bowler. And this guy was a famous spin bowler, Phil Tufnell. Uh, You know, question of sport, all that sort of stuff. So I'm thinking, she's not going to sit me with Phil Tufnell, but lo and behold, she's just beckoned to the chair. He looked up, and I was like awkward, but she said, you know, sit down, and so I sat down. And I just said, it's Phil Tufnell, isn't it? And he just went, oh, mate, I've gone all day and nobody's recognised me, and now you've recognised me. And it was lovely, because I'm thinking, well, does he really want me to chat with him all the way through while he's trying to eat and everything like that? But he was, he was chatting to me. He was asking me lots of questions about who I was, what I did. We talked about cricket, obviously. But so we got talking about uh, what I did for a job and what church was like and everything like that. And it was really good, really good. And I tell it everywhere I go, don't I, Lisa? <laughs> Why don't you just share with, each, with, with your neighbour who's the most famous person who you've been near to. I mean, that was Phil Tufnell, he's semi-famous. But who's the most famous person who you've been near to? Who's quite impressed by their neighbour's most famous person? Who they've seen? Barbara, who is it? Who's the famous person? Oh, the Queen. Not just lately, though. (laughs) Anybody can beat the Queen? Not many people can beat the Queen, can they? Who bought you champagne? Wow, that's amazing. I can remember going to, um, well, I went to a a Bob Dylan concert. And I could not believe how close to Bob Dylan I was. 
And I'm thinking, this guy is an absolute legend. Uh, I like Bob Dylan. And uh, amazing, amazing. But that's what I want to talk about today. We can be so near to someone, but actually we can be so far away sometimes. So far away. We sung a lot of songs today that would have sort of like a theme for Easter. And uh, I know you're thinking, don't go on about Easter now, Andy. We've only just got over Christmas. You know, Easter's still quite a, a long way off. But actually, the significance of Easter in the Christian calendar has an incredible significance, far more than just a day in the calendar. You know, if you described Easter in words, incredible would be the significance of, of, of Easter. Significant would also be a word that you would use uh, at Easter. But I would also use the word awesome. It's used a lot these days. We, you know, you can have a meal and it's awesome. But actually, Easter was an awesome time. It was also an excruciating time. And actually, that word came into existence because... Of Easter. I'll just read you the Bible passage, Luke 23, that talks about this excruciating time. As the Lord Jesus away, a man named Simon, who was from Cyrene in Libya, happened to be coming in from the countryside. The soldiers seized him and put the cross on him and made him carry it behind Jesus. A large crowd trailed behind, including grief-stricken women. But Jesus turned to them and said, Daughters of Jerusalem, don't weep for me, but weep for yourselves and for your children. For the days are coming when they will say, Fortunate indeed are the women who are childless, the wombs that have not borne a child and the breasts that have never nursed. People will beg the mountains, fall on us and plead with the hills, bury us. For if these things are done when the tree is green, what will happen when it is dry? Two others, both criminals, were led out to be executed with him. When they came to a place called the skull, they nailed him to the cross. And the criminals were also crucified, one on his right and one on his left. Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they don't know what they are doing. The soldiers gambled for his clothing by throwing dice. The crowd watched and the leaders scoffed. He saved others, they said. Let him save himself if he really is God's Messiah, the chosen one. The soldiers mocked him too by offering him a drink of sour wine. They called out to him, if you are the king of the Jews, save yourself. A sign was fastened above him with these words, this is the king of the Jews. One of the criminals hanging beside him scoffed. So you're the Messiah, are you? Prove it by saving yourself and us too while you're at it. But the other criminal protested. Don't you fear God? Even when you have been sentenced to die, we deserve to die for our crimes. But this man hasn't done anything wrong. And then he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus replied, I assure you. Today, you will be with me in paradise. Just dwell on that. Jesus turning to someone on, on the cross and saying, Today, you will be with me in paradise. What, what an awesome thing for Jesus to say to you. 
What an amazing thing for Jesus to say to anyone. Imagine Jesus saying that to you. I mean, it's quite scary because it means you're going to die. But life after death. There is life after death. Jesus said it right there. Today, you will be with me in paradise. That was an awesome thing. It was an awesome thing that was happening on the cross. It had awesome implications for the whole world. We use that verse, don't we? For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. And the very next verse is, for God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world but save the world through him. Like I said, the word awesome is used a lot these days. But the other word, excruciating, the dictionary definition is extremely painful derived from the cross of crucifixion. That's what it says. It's from a Latin word, excruciare, to crucify, unbearably painful, extreme agony. Crucifixion, probably the most painful torture ever. It wasn't invented by the Romans, it was invented by the Persians at three, around about 300 BC, but the Romans perfected it. They really got it down to being really, really, really painful. And that's where excruciating came in. Ever since, that, that, that word, it comes, from, it comes from the cross. And Luke records that two criminals were crucified with Jesus. In first century justice terms, they were getting what they deserved. And Jesus, as the Bible probably, uh, properly evidences, wasn't. No one could find fault with him. King Herod couldn't find him guilty of anything. Pontius Pilate couldn't find him guilty of anything. And that reinforced, corroborated all the evidence in, in, in Scripture that he was sinless. He was the sinless son of God. He'd not done anything wrong. Interestingly, the Jewish historian at the time, not a Christian, Josephus, described Jesus in his own writings. And this is what he put. About this time, there lived Jesus, a wise man, if indeed one ought to call him a man. For he was one who performed surprising deeds and was a teacher of such people as accept the truth gladly. He won over many Jews and many of the Greeks, and he was, he was the Messiah. When, upon the accusation of the principal men among us, Pilate had condemned him to the cross, those who had first come to love him did not cease. They appeared to them spending a third day, sorry, he appeared to them spending a third day restored to life. For the prophets of God had foretold these things and a thousand other marvels about him. And the tribe of the Christians, so called after him, has still to this day not disappeared. And actually, that's, that's a prophetic thing. I wonder if it kind of... Can a Jewish non-Christian prophesy? I think he did. Because the tribe of the Christians has not disappeared. In fact, all around the world, the tribe of the Christians is increasing and increasing and increasing. And all we get in our country is the news that says the church is in decline, the church is in decline. And perhaps 
Traditional church is in decline. Perhaps it needs to be in decline, but around the world, the church of Jesus Christ is growing, expanding. People are getting saved all the time. Today, thousands, thousands, maybe even a million people might get saved today. But you know what? It doesn't just happen on Sundays. It happens on Mondays and Tuesdays and all around the world. Missionaries nowadays used to be sent out from this country. There's more missionaries now from the Philippines and from Indonesia and places like that going all around the world. And it's an amazing thing. It's an amazing thing that what God's doing. So on that cross, the Son of God was giving his life, as the gospel writers say, as a ransom for many. His life was paying the price for all other lives. Matthew and Mark describe it this way. And on either side of that central figure, there was a dying thief. Luke records the contrasting, say that again, contrasting reactions of the two criminals being crucified at the same time as Jesus. One criminal railed at Jesus. But the other recognized Jesus. He recognized Jesus for who he was. He didn't cry out to the soldiers for help. He didn't cry out to Pilate, or, but he cried out to the, the one who was being crucified with him because he recognized something about Jesus. He recognized who Jesus was. He realized that Christ was dying for sinners and knowing that he was a sinner, he said those words, Lord, remember me. That's all he had to say. That's all he had to say. He didn't have to reel off some elaborate fancy prayer or anything like that. He didn't have to have the the right words in the right order or anything like that. Jesus saw his heart. Lord, remember me. And that's when Jesus said, today you'll be with me in paradise. One of the criminals recognized Jesus. But the other continued to hurl insults and ultimatums at Jesus and challenged him to prove himself by freeing all three of him. I I believe that this is the saddest part of the whole Bible. That one person recognized who Jesus was, but one person just didn't recognize Jesus. He was so near and yet so far. So near to Jesus, if it hadn't been nailed to the cross, he may have even been able to reach out and touch him. And we tend to emphasize that John 3.16 passage, don't we? For God so loved the world. But here, we see the next verse being really acted out. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. Jesus didn't turn to this guy who was early in insult after insult at him and ultimatum after ultimatum. He didn't say, you're a thief, you're a robber, you're a scoundrel or anything like that. He didn't condemn the man in any way. In fact, the man was condemning himself. And that's what's happening in the world today. Without recognizing Jesus, you condemn yourself. You condemn yourself. God's not happy with people who turn away from Jesus. God, God doesn't smile in any, any way, shape, or form. God's heart breaks because Scripture says it's God's will for all to be saved. 
But God's given us all a free will. It's a gift, free will. It makes us genuine, who we are. If we genuinely come to Christ, he'll accept us. But if we genuinely say, no, thank you, what can, what can Christ do with that? People condemn themselves. He didn't recognize Jesus for who he was or what he was doing. He was literally staring death in the face. And the only person who could, who could free him from that was right next to him, and he didn't recognize it. He was so near and yet so far. The other guy, eternity was secure. This guy, well, the Bible says clearly, if it's not, if it's not eternity with God, it's eternity without God. And the Bible calls that hell. In fact, Jesus spoke very clearly about hell. How could anyone be so near and yet so far from salvation? It's a horrible picture of crucifixion. And yet such simple words can make all the difference. The Bible says that when we come into relationship with Jesus, when we repent, when we, when we realize that our sin is in the way and we need to repent of that sin and ask him to take it away through his death on the cross, the Bible says we instantly become joint heirs with Jesus. Joint heirs of all that God has created for him. Amazingly, this guy who was at the side of Jesus could have been a joint heir with Jesus and yet he missed it. Dying without hope. Is that anyone you know today? I'm sure we all know people like that. Is that you? Is that you? Do you know Jesus as your Lord and Savior? You might even be watching on the live stream. Is that you today? Have you recognized who Jesus is? Do you recognize he's so near to you, so close to you? And yet, if you hold on to your sin, you are so far away from him. Give Jesus your sin. Repent of him. Repent of that sin. The Bible says this, but now you have been united with Christ Jesus. Once you were far away from God, but now you have been brought near through the blood of Jesus. That's Ephesians 2.13. This verse explains exactly what's going on at the crucifixion. How in sacrificing himself for us, Jesus won an amazing victory for us. His shed blood on that day, it's a, it's a, it's a strange image. Christians use it and have used it for centuries. But today it's a strange image that Jesus' blood washes us. That's that's quite a, a, a terrible thing to think about. But actually, that's, that's literally what was happening. Jesus' blood was washing away the sins of the people who recognized who he was and what he was doing. The one we love and worship and follow today. By recognize, I mean just sincerely realize who Jesus is. Sincerely and genuinely realize that I need forgiveness. We've all done things wrong. Actually, just, just living our own lives without recognizing God is sin. The Bible says that's the main sin. It's what Adam and Eve did. No, thank you, God. 
You've made this world. You've set out all these beautiful things, but we want to do our own thing. That's sin. Why would you do that? When you've got a God who created everything, who wants to be in your life, why would you reject him? But so many people do. The evening before all this took place, Jesus was sitting at the table with his disciples, with his followers. And there was a guy there called Judas. He'd been with Jesus throughout more or less his entire ministry. And as they're eating, Judas sneaks out. Because what he's going to do, he's going to betray Jesus. He's going to tell the authorities where Jesus is. He's going to lead the soldiers to where Jesus is so they can arrest him, so they can ultimately crucify him. Judas was so close to Jesus. So close. Judas has heard Jesus teaching the Sermon on the Mount, the greatest sermon ever ever preached. Judas had witnessed amazing miracles. He'd seen people, 5,000 people being fed by just a small meal. He'd seen healing. He'd seen people brought back from the dead. He'd been at so many gatherings. He'd heard words of love, words of life, words of deliverance. He was at Jesus' feet, and yet he was so far away. So near, and yet so far. Maybe, maybe once you were a follower of Jesus, maybe once... You would call yourself a really enthusiastic Christian, but you've turned away and you've gone cold. And it really is a heart thing. Judas' heart was not with Jesus. Maybe your heart has turned. Maybe stuff's happened and you've not been quite able to answer it and you've ended up blaming God. Just check your own heart. Check your own heart. Because that's life, that's not God. God wants to rescue you. God wants to comfort you, even in your most painful time. Check your heart. If you were once a follower of Jesus, turn back to him. Come back to him. Mark 12, 28, describes another person in the same position. and It says this, one of the teachers of the religious law was standing there listening to the debate. He realized that Jesus had answered well. So he asked, of all the commandments, which is the most important? Jesus replied, the most important commandment is this. Listen, O Israel, the Lord our God is the one and only Lord. And you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind and all your strength. The second is equally important. Love your neighbor as yourself. No other commandment is greater than these. The teacher of religious law replied, Well said, teacher. You have spoken the truth by saying that there is only one and no other God. And I know it's important to love him with all my heart, with all my understanding and all my strength, and to love my neighbor as myself. This is more important than to offer all the burnt offerings and sacrifices required in the law. Realizing how much the man understood, Jesus said to him, you are not far from the kingdom of God. And after that, no one dared ask him any more questions. This guy, this guy knew scripture inside out. He'd obviously been brought up knowing knowing the scriptures. 
And Jesus said to him, you're not far from the kingdom of God. But because Jesus said that, obviously he wasn't quite in the kingdom of God. He knew all the scriptures, he knew all the stuff, but he hadn't come to Christ for forgiveness. He hadn't repented of his sin. He hadn't accepted Jesus as Lord. So he wasn't far, but he wasn't there. You may have grown up in church. You might, your parents might have taught you lots about the Bible and scriptures. You may have memorized Bible verses. You might be a very moral person. And yet, you've missed You've missed the very heart of what Jesus is really all about. You've never fully accepted him in your life. No one is born a Christian. No one is born a Christian. We all have to come to that point where we recognize, when we accept, when we invite Jesus in. You may have grown up in church. You're so near, and yet you're not quite there. So here's the thief hanging on the cross behind, beside him, hurling insults. Here's King Herod cross-questioning him, abusing him with, with mockery. Here's Pilate investigating and analysing and even having that little inkling that there is something about Jesus. And even having his wife come in and saying, don't, don't sentence this, this guy because there's, there's something about him. And Pilate's walking around examining him. Who could have had a better opportunity than to bow down before the real king of kings? And yet, none of them did. They were so close and yet so far. Even the crowd, even the crowd that were baying for his blood, shouting out, crucify, crucify. That was in Jerusalem, obviously, but some of them may have even been around when they witnessed a miracle of Jesus. Certainly quite a lot of them were there when he was dying on on the cross and watched him die. They were so close to him, and yet they just couldn't get it. How close does God have to come to us? That's a question that we need to ask ourselves this morning. How close does God have to come to me for me to recognize who he is, for me to believe? Because the Bible says he's so close. He's so close. Psalm 4. 145 says this, the Lord is near to all who call upon him. All who call upon him in truth. There's many people today. There's many people still go to church. There's many people sing in in the choir. There's many people offer their services, work for a charity, give their money to good causes. There's many people actually witnessed miracles and great moves of God. And yet, they've never made that heart move to Jesus. How about you? How about you? Have you been involved in lots of, lots of good stuff and yet you're so close to Jesus but have never actually made that decision? Have you recognized Jesus for who he is? Have you realized that when he hung on the cross he was doing that for you? Have you asked him for forgiveness? Have you invited him into your life? Ephesians 2 says, once you were far off from God, but now you've been brought near. Have you truly repented of your sins? Have you given him full charge of your life? Is he Lord? The Bible says if you give, 
he'll give back. I've said it a few times lately, the gospel is about, is about us inviting Jesus into our lives, deciding to be a follower of Jesus, but it's even bigger than that. He's inviting us into his life to walk with him. Come to me, he says, all you who are weary and weighed down. I don't know if you've ever made a a misjudgment about somebody based on how they look. Have you ever done that? I've done that. I've done that. We all do that, don't we? But God never does that. God never does that. In Luke 7, we see a woman, and she's a woman with a past. She sold her love by the hour. She was a town prostitute. And here she is washing Jesus' feet with her tears and drying his feet with her hair, kissing his feet and pouring perfume upon them. And the Pharisees are judging her. They, they can't believe that Jesus is allowing this to happen. And they're saying to themselves, if he was a prophet, he would know who's touching him. He wouldn't have her touching him, what kind of a woman she is. She's a, she's a sinner. But Jesus, who Luke records is filled with wisdom, could see beneath the surface of that. And he saw the fact that the woman was expressing her immense love for him, her genuine Genuine repentance before him. And um, she knew that she had much to be forgiven of. Do you know what? You might have a very negative past. But you can have a really positive future. You don't have to let your past hold you down. Jesus can free you into a future with him. We see the wisdom of Jesus, both in his insight into people and the way that they way that they are, but in the way that he chooses to teach as well. He goes on to tell a parable about a bit of an eccentric bank manager. This bank manager has two customers. One owes about £5,000. The other owes about £50,000, but he lets both of them off completely. My bank manager wouldn't do that. (laughs) I'm sure your bank manager wouldn't do that. But that's exactly... What Jesus is saying, his love is like, no matter what your debt, no matter what you've done, no matter what's gone off in the past, it doesn't matter. All debts can be settled by Jesus' love. Your debt can be written off by Jesus. This parable enabled Simon the Pharisee to unwittingly to answer his own concern. Jesus wisely and gently points out, Simon You've not given me a very warm welcome. And you might have lived a good life. You might only owe a small amount compared to this woman who owes a large amount. But both of you can be forgiven. Both of you can know me. But the woman, she knew how deeply indebted she was. She came genuinely. Like it says, her tears washed his feet, her hair dried his feet. She poured out expensive perfume that was normally reserved for the head, but she, she put it on Jesus' feet. And people looked around and thought, what a waste. But actually, she knew who she was putting perfume on. And Jesus said to her, your faith has saved you. Go in peace. How's your faith 
in Jesus Christ today? Do you know that him dying on the cross all those years ago is powerful to forgive you of your sin? It's powerful because of what happened after the cross. He rose to life. He rose to life. He was resurrected. He conquered sin on the cross and he conquered death by walking out the tomb. He is who he says he is. He's alive today and he can change your life. Whatever your past, he can change your life. You may not have had a good beginning in life, but this doesn't mean that you cannot have a great finish. Whatever is in your past, with Jesus you can make a completely new start. Jesus says you must be born again. That's what the new start is really all about. You don't need to go around burdened with guilt from previous relationships or incidents in your past. The moment that you repent and put your faith in Jesus, all your sins are wiped out. But it's important that it drops from your head to your heart. Don't be so near and yet so far from Jesus. Let it make sense in your head, but let it drop to your heart. Remember, Jesus told just one of those guys hanging beside him, today you'll be with me in paradise. That was an awesome thing. But it was a terrible thing that Jesus couldn't say that to the other guy because the other guy just didn't recognize it. Arise, the Bible says, and shine. Arise from your sin. Shine for him. If you arise from your sin and ask Jesus to forgive you, he will shine. He will put his Holy Spirit in you and you will shine like you've never shone before. Jesus wants you to acknowledge that you're a sinner. He wants you to say something as simple as, Lord, remember me, as long as it's genuine and sincere. Don't go around burdened by your guilt. Don't let sin keep dragging round with you. Let the God whose heart is overflowing for love for you, let him in. Let him in. Let's bow our heads. There's only God knows your heart right now. Whether you're in the room here or whether you're watching online, there's only God knows your heart. There's only God knows how near you are to him and yet how far away from him you really are. But you know, that can change in a blink. If you're sincere, if you're genuine, you can invite Jesus in. And you know what? You don't have to have it all weighed out, all made up in your mind. Jesus said from the cross, Father, forgive them for they don't know what they're doing. If you respond to Jesus today, it's really possible that you don't quite know all that you're doing. But your heart's response is what God's, God's looking for. Would you rather have Jesus in your life or would you rather have him out of your life? It's as simple as that. And if you want to make a decision for Jesus, I'm going to give you an opportunity right now. I'm going to pray a prayer, and it's a very simple prayer. But you, 
you can echo it in the quietness of your own heart. And while heads are bowed and eyes are closed this morning, I'm going to ask you just to respond to him and just to show me that you've prayed that prayer because we can help you as you decide to follow Jesus even this morning. So if you're desperate for Jesus in your life, you pray this prayer with me. Jesus, I recognize who you are. I recognize what you did on that cross was to enable me to be free from my sin, to be forgiven, to be cleansed, to be given a new life. Lord, come into my life today. Be my Lord. Be my saviour. Remember me. And help me live my life for you from this point on. While heads are bowed and eyes are closed, maybe you prayed that prayer. Maybe you prayed that prayer online today. Well, we really would want you to get in touch with us if you did and let us know. We can, we can help you. Our email is sayhi at derbycitychurch.co.uk. If you're in the room and you prayed that prayer today, just, just very quickly, just indicate to me by raising your hand because we've got a little pack fear and we want to give you it. Thank you. Thank you. Someone at the back there. Thank you. A few people. Thank you. Bless you. Is there anybody else in the in church today? Bless you. Thank you. It's about three or four people. That's brilliant. Thank you. Bless you. If you responded to Jesus today, then please don't leave the building without us giving you a, 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 a pack that will help you. It's got some booklets in it. And um, you're very welcome to have them free of charge. And we really want to really help you become a stronger disciple of Jesus and to learn about him. We've got Alpha coming up in the spring. Alpha's a brilliant, brilliant course for you to do, to learn about what being a Christian is. Lord, I pray, Lord, for these people that have responded to you this morning. Lord, I thank you, Lord, that they were once far away from you. But the Bible says... They are now very close to you. Father, we thank you, Lord, that, um, Lord, you respond when people respond. So, Lord, help these people grow. Help them be strong. Assure them, Lord, of what they're doing. They might not know everything, Lord, but, Lord, just assure them, Lord, that their sins are forgiven. And, Lord, we pray, Lord, that many, many more people out online would, would have done the same in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. God bless you. I'm going to ask the band to come up and uh, we'll sing our, our last hymn. Thank you.